In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Brothers and sisters, this is the first Sunday of the liturgical year. We've just ended the liturgical year, basically yesterday, with the end of the season of the sanctification of the church, Qudash Eta. We just began now the new season of the church, which is called Subara, or uh, Advent in Latin, which means the approach. We're approaching now uh, the birth of Jesus. And Advent is a season of preparation for that. So the church gives us every year, in the first Sunday of the liturgical year, the first Sunday of Subara, this gospel reading, which is right at the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke. This is the very beginning of Luke's Gospel. He starts it out this way. I've been studying uh, the accounts of all the things that have happened, all the things that have been told to you, and I've done my research and I've done my investigation. I wanted to get exactly the right information so that I can give it to you, most excellent Theophilus. This is what he says. And scholars have debated for, since the beginning basically, for a couple thousand years, who is Theophilus? Some people will say he's a great political leader, uh, he works for the Roman government, or he's some big time dignitary, maybe like a judge or something like that, maybe even a bishop. We don't really know. But the name Theophilus is a compilation of two, two words in Greek, Theophilos, which means lover of God, God lover. Theophilus is the lover of God. You, I hope, are Theophilus. Luke is writing to you. And why is he writing to you? Because he wants you to be a part of the story. He's inviting you onto this journey now. He wants to give you and he wants to make a part of your life the good news of Jesus Christ. He wants that to be your life. So, he's taking us now on this journey by the hand, let's say. And he begins this journey with this really obscure person, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. This obscure couple, they're an old couple. The angel Gabriel goes to Zechariah while Zechariah is serving in the temple, he's a priest. And he tells him this awesome news. Your prayers are heard. You will rejoice and be glad. You're going to, your wife is going to bear a son. You'll call him John. And he's going to be great. He's going to walk before the Lord. He's going to prepare the people for the coming of the Messiah. This is the one that has been prophesied about for hundreds and hundreds of years. God has not sent a prophet in hundreds and hundreds of years. And now, Zechariah, your son is going to be that prophet. God is speaking to his people again, and it's gonna be by your son that he's gonna to speak to them. And he's going to prepare the way for the great one, the God who becomes human, Jesus. And Zechariah takes all this, and he receives it from the angel while he's serving in the temple, and he says, how shall I know this? Prove it to me. Because I'm old. My wife is old. How is this even possible? What are you talking about? The attitude is kind of like, like forget about it kind of thing. 
why are you talking like this? So Gabriel gets upset, I mean visibly upset, and he actually strikes him and he says you can't talk until all these things come to pass. Why is Luke including this story? Because he's taking us, he's making us a part of the story. He's taking us on the journey. John the Baptist's vocation, his whole point, the whole point of his life is that he's preparing the way for Christ. John the Baptist is preparing our hearts for Christ. Luke makes us part of the story. He's preparing our hearts for the coming of Christ. So he includes this part of the story, I think in a way to tell us, this is not the way you prepare yourself. Don't be like Zechariah in this way. Zechariah kind of messed it up a little bit, a lot of it. Why? Because probably Zechariah, we could assume, he's an old guy, his wife is old, he's righteous, it says that in the gospel, he walked according to all the laws and the commandments of the Lord blamelessly. He was a good guy. He was a priest, he was obviously praying. You imagine that, especially given the cultural context of that time, if you don't have a son, if you don't have a daughter, if you're childless, this is a shame on your family. This is somehow God's punishment upon you. Something's wrong with you. After all these years, we assume Zechariah has been praying a lot for a child. He's been fasting a lot for a child. He's been doing everything right. He, it looks like he's gotten to the point where he says, God, I've done everything. I follow your commandments. I do what you want me to do. I, I, I walk according to your will. I treat people well. I tithe. I pray. I've done everything that I'm supposed to do. And yet, you're not giving me what I need. You're not giving me what I want. You're not there for me. Maybe you're absent. Maybe you don't really care. And then he makes a decision to fall into despair. Zechariah just decides, you know what? Forget about it all. He becomes hopeless. So that even when the angel Gabriel comes up to him and he says, appears to him from heaven and tells him, your prayers are answered, God's answering your prayers. And it's going to be in this really like extravagant manner. It's going to be way better than you thought it was. It's better than anything you imagined. You didn't even want this much. God is giving you a lot more than you asked for. Zechariah is so embittered and he's so jaded. He's so weighed down by the unfairness of life that he just says, forget about it. This is a lapse in hope. This is a lapse in love. This is a lapse in faith as trust. He stopped trusting in God. He stopped at some point, it seems, he stopped trusting that God is good or that he does good to us, that he does good for us. At some point, Zechariah, it looks like, stopped trusting that God is on our side and that God can accomplish the things that he wants to accomplish in us, that God can do great things in us. At some point, Zechariah just gave up on that idea. He's still saying his prayers. He's still serving at the temple. He's still a righteous man. He's still following the law. He's still doing what he has to do, but it's just his heart has been, the, the flame in his heart has been extinguished. 
Luke is telling us, don't do that. Life is going to be unfair. It's going to be dark. There's going to be a lot of suffering. There's a lot of pain to endure. You'll enter many times in your life. We're walking on this journey about the good, the good news of Jesus Christ. Guess what's a major part of this journey? Guys, this is what Luke is telling us. Darkness and doubt and jadedness and bitterness and all the kinds of things that this life throws at us. All of this is going to be a part of the journey. Just don't let it overcome you. Just don't let it get the better of you. Just be stronger than that. How exactly do we do that? In Psalm 95, in the Old Testament, and this is quoted also in the letter to the Hebrews in the New Testament. The psalmist says, Today, when you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, today, when you hear the voice of God, don't harden your hearts. Like Zechariah, he heard the voice of God from the angel Gabriel, and he hardened his heart. Today, when you hear the voice of God, soften your heart. Allow him to speak to you. Listen to the voice of God. God is very patient. God waits a long time to do things. We have to be patient like that. Zechariah prayed and prayed. Zechariah fasted and he did everything right and he did everything that he was supposed to do. And at the end, it seemed like the answer was a no. But it wasn't a no. It was wait. Wait because when we wait and when we trust in God and when our hope, the flicker of hope is still alive, God will do something far greater than anything that we wanted. God will answer our prayers with something much more than our imaginations can comprehend. And God will give it to us. Let us just trust in Him. Amen.